0: In his day of affirmation speech in Cape Town, South Africa in 1968, Robert Kennedy spoke about the challenges in growing as a free and just nation. He outlined three challenges, three dangers. First, he said, is the danger of futility. The belief that there is nothing one man or woman can do against the enormous array of the world's ills, against misery, against ignorance or injustice and violence. Yet many of the world's great movements of thought and action have flowed from the work of a single person. Think of a young monk posting theses on doors as an example. Futility, I call, it, <clears throat> I call it the, it is what it is, ism. In these days, following the Trayvon Martin and the George Zimmerman tragedy, the nature of violence in this country has been revealed again. The violence that follows every conduit every opportunity for every chance it gets to get us, to wear us down. It can seem futile to even attempt to address such violence, but we must. We must. It cannot continue to be what it is. It must be different. This comes from the memorial on RFK's grave site. Perhaps those of you who have visited Washington have read it, as I have. It says, It is from numberless, diverse acts of courage and belief that human history is shaped. Each time a person stands up for an ideal or acts to improve the lot of others or strikes out against injustice, that person sends forth a tiny ripple of hope and crossing each other from a million different centers of energy and daring, those ripples build a current which can sweep down the mightiest walls of oppression and injustice. It takes courage, for sure. Courage to do such things, moral courage, moral courage, a rarer commodity than bravery in battle or great intelligence, yet it is the one essential, vital quality of those who seek to change a world which yields most painfully to change. It is what we're doing, you know. We are attempting to get this world to yield to change a change that brings about the kingdom of God here on earth. We are attempting to bring our government, world governments, into alignment with God's government that is the kingdom of God, the government of peace, reconciliation, justice, a world in which everyone has enough to eat, enough health care, Access to a better life, equal application of laws that are fair, fairly applied, and changed when that fairness has lost its salt. This kingdom of God building is the work God calls us to alongside God's working in this world. This is not the work of acquiescence or futility, but of those numberless, diverse acts of courage and belief that do the heavy lifting in constructing this world of God's presence. Yet now and then too, there are those who are in the intersection of time and God's love, individuals who have a chance, a moment, to lead most often we miss it not always but an example of when we did was when the president of the United States of America stood on the rubble of the Twin Towers our country had almost every nation in the world standing with us looking for a response to lead us forward with moral courage we had the chance to respond in a kingdom of God way Instead, we fed the industrial beast of fear with lives and artillery. It was an act of futility in many ways, an act of hopelessness that nothing other than war and punishment and revenge could possibly be the answer. I think once again we are in a time and place in God's love where we have the chance to make things radically different. Will we choose the response of futility or the courage of beliefs that refuse to allow hatred and violence of racism to be part of the collateral costs of our comfort and imperfect justice system? It cannot, it cannot, it cannot continue to be what it is and these are not new challenges in history paul's letter to the colossians was very much trying to address a time in which the two most powerful forces on earth at the time the roman military complex and the jewish religious powers conspired to execute jesus the christ There was not one mind in these societies any more than in ours, and these rabble-rousing voices had to be quelled. Forces were vying for supremacy and the hold on people's lives, their minds, and their wallets. Gnostics, Greek philosophers, local mystery religions, Jewish mysticism, and more all were swirling about, all agents seeking footholds and followers all attacking and criticizing one another making promises and creating wars to win for their gods that they created as well Paul like us Paul did not have an easy task encouraging the Colossians to remain faithful it's not easy he writes to them so that their hearts might be encouraged, he says earlier in the chapter. He uses the Greek word parakline for encourage, which means enabled to meet difficult situ- situations with confidence and gallantry, to be encouraged, sure, and gallant. For you are knit in love. You are knit in love to the mystery of God, of God and Christ, in whom are hidden. All the world's treasures accumulated, stored up for you. Certainly, many listened, but many wavered as well. Many were unsure. How sure are we sometimes? How often do we waver? Especially when we're grappling with the mystery of what it is to do in the midst of futility versus hope. When we ascribe to love and then are struck down with the sorrow of a son being shot, one shot, and the life is gone. When we recognize the inherent violence, the profiles of sister or brother creating a tragedy exacerbated by a dualism in the legislation and application of laws and justice far from fair or equal, do we become discouraged. How do we find Paracline? Encouragement that is filled with confidence, sureness, and gallantry in times of such great sorrow, especially in times that replete anger and reaction before love. RFK's second point in what must be carefully watched is that we get caught up in the need for expediency, the danger of expediency, being told that such changes just have to wait until we first take care of other pressing concerns. Is it any wonder that if MLK were with us today, he would again echo Rabbi Hillel's words, if not now, when? And in this passage from Martin's letter from a Birmingham jail, He says, for years now I have heard the word wait. It rings in the ear of every African American with a piercing familiarity. This wait has almost always meant never. We must come to see with a distinguished jurist of yesterday that justice too long delayed is justice denied. And years before, in 1948, when he was a student at Crozier Theological Seminary in Pennsylvania, which later relocated here to Rochester, he wrote that reason, expediency, devoid of the purifying power of faith, moral courage, can never free itself from distortions and rationalizations, or what it is. But what do we do then when violence, futility, confusion, loud voices vying for our attention creep into our lives, causing us to be filled with weariness, stress, hopelessness? Luke's gospel gives us the answer to Paraclime, to being sustained in the work we do, the numberless and diverse acts of justice and courage, the readiness to step into great moments when called, and he does it in talking about how Jesus prayed and how he taught others to pray. There are times of conflict where every bit as complex as ours, more than once his disciples called upon Jesus to rain down destruction on the oppressors. They too sometimes saw the answer in violence to sustain themselves, And what did he tell them? He told them, put away your swords. And he prayed. He withdrew and he prayed. He healed and he prayed. He preached and he prayed. And he taught his disciples to pray when they asked. It was after a long ministry of healing, but the disciples suddenly started to recognize There was something here about what he was doing that was making it possible for him to do what he did. And one of the things they noticed that was different was the way and the frequency and the amount of time with which he prayed. So they went to him. They said, teach us. Teach us to pray so we can do what you do. And so Jesus teaches them three lessons in today's reading. First, he teaches them a prayer for community that we will recite again later in this morning's worship. Then he teaches them about the persistence in prayer. Come on, friend. Get out of bed. I need that bread. I got a friend coming. Come on. You're my buddy. Come down here. And he teaches about the promise of prayer. And he gives them a formula. Ask and you will receive search and you will find, knock and it will be given to you, A-S-K, ask, search, knock, ask, pray. You know, it is so easy to look back on this reliance upon prayer that the Bible teaches us, that Luke teaches us this exhortation to pray in the most powerful and expectant of ways in the most difficult and tumultuous of times and to say yes prayer is good but we got to do more than just pray yet I have grown more reliant on daily prayer and quiet time as things have gotten more difficult more persistent and trusting in what I do not understand asking, searching, And knocking and it happens the futility loses its grip the violence becomes weaker in the presence of love the simplest of kind acts become incredibly important and the willingness to step up or support those that do take on renewed promise and possibility is there we're ready We pray, I think, not because it is magical, but because it is what Jesus did. It is what he taught us to do. And it works, just as he and other spiritual leaders have said throughout history. And I love Luke, the surgeon's clear and concise formula for praying. It's almost pushy. Do you hear it? It's almost pushy, demanding, filled with imperatives. Jesus is saying to his disciples, it's as if he's saying, come on, pray. Ask for what you want. Seek for what you wish to find. Be persistent in prayer and seeking. Take action after you do. And knock, knock, knock. What are you waiting for? You asked me to teach you to pray. Well, there you go. And what a prayer he gives them. It's a prayer of the present. Give us this day. A prayer of the future. Deliver us from the times of trial. And these were real times of trial. Where to profess their faith meant torture or worse. And a prayer that calls for that kingdom of God the government of God in a world where there is peace, reconciliation, justice, a world in which everyone has enough to eat, enough health care, access to a better life, equal and fair application of the laws, no war, bread for all, and peace. And perhaps the most important of all is the forgiveness in this prayer that brings with it a promise, forgive us because we forgive others. It is a prayer one prays to a protective and loving God in the most intimate and personal of ways, I think. And we do it together in the most personal and intimate of ways in the mystery that forms us into the body of Christ in this world and all that means in this world. Following futility and expediency as the pitfalls in seeking justice in the world, RFK's third and last point in his address was about the danger of timidity. Come on, does anybody think Jesus was timid? This is audience participation, yes, no? No, okay. okay. RFK says this in his remarks about timidity. Do not be afraid to brave the disappointment of others, the censure of colleagues, the wrath of society. Moral courage is rarer commodity than bravery in battle or great intelligence, yet it is the one essential vital quality of those who seek to change a world which yields most painfully to change. We cannot be timid, ashamed, embarrassed, or quiet about who we are and what we call for. There can be no timidity in searching or seeking the kingdom of God on earth. No pause, no giving in to futility or the expediency that always consumes those who need the most help. We have much to continue to do and much more to do. But if prayer prayer could sustain Jesus and all those who followed and follow him, including us, then let's not place prayer in the expediency column of what we can do when we have time, but in the what-it-can-be column. And as a result of being a prayerful and persistent asking and searching people, let us find our paraclean, our encouragement in prayer. And then go from there. Let us be emboldened. Assertive. And confident. In prayer. As Janie Spar says. Let us pray with our heads up. And our eyes wide open. Looking in the world. To be. Not only the world. That is. Amen.